with Coach? Or? Uh, well, hopefully everybody's having a great summer. Uh, we are. Uh, and I think uh, the team has is, is really done some really, I think have done some really positive things since the end of spring. Uh, I felt at the end of spring was a really good session of things that we needed to accomplish at that time. And, and um, you know, going into this summer, there was a lot of work that we all know we needed to do, and we needed everybody's, uh, you know, participation and being there and, and, and doing all the things that we're doing. So it, it looked, you know, from what I've seen and what I've worked in, in, in the past with teams like this is, you know, they're, they're all 100% here. Um, they've done nothing but work their tail off. Uh, they, the thing that's a little different this year compared to years past is that, you know, coaches had been more involved in the offseason in the summertime because of the new rule. We were able to do two practices a week called field instruction, just fundamental drill work, and, and we were able to do that with our position groups. That was huge for us. That gave our staff a still chances in the summer to be on the field with them. So we're taking advantage of that. So And then the times when we're not there, they're, they're running things on their own. So I feel really, really feel like we're in good shape going into – you know, these last couple of weeks of the summer, you know, we report on August 1st to start training camp on August 2nd. So uh, things are right where they need to be. So I'm very pleased. Did Shannon Turley's program look at it all different with it being his second offseason with the team? Shannon Turley's program does look different because you can see the physical difference in, in our football team. Uh, last year, it probably wasn't a, a good year to really judge the level of development in the first year just because you're teaching things in a, in a very, very construct, proper way. If you guys know Shannon Turley at all, he's not going to do something that's not going to be well coached in the details of it. So that means all the fundamentals of our lifting uh, uh, in technique and things like that, whether it's bench, there's a certain way we do it, a certain way we squat, a certain way we power clean, et cetera, et cetera. So he was teaching all those movements a year ago, making sure it was done properly and, uh, and then this year was more of a, starting back in January, was more of a loading up the weight. And you can see those physical differences in the spring. And now I'm seeing another jump of you know, physical development, even in the summer. So it's, it's been going really well. That's a long answer, but I wanted to give you the details of it. Is there a position group or players that you've seen take the biggest leap from spring over the summer? As far as their development? It's hard to say because everyone's out there. You know, it's, it's, it used to be in times past where when I first got here, you know, there wasn't a, that level of commitment, you know, in the program. And I think COVID hurt that too because everybody was, some, was concerned, you know, health-wise. So that's probably not the right thing to say. So I'll, I'll retract that because of COVID. But this is the first year where there's a 100% participation, participation um, and they're all out there doing stuff on their own. They're all out there with the coaches. Uh, they are, they're all, all out there getting better. Uh, I think the one position that I know needs to be better, Ryan, is quarterback. <laughs> so we know that that position is well. We have enough people in that personnel group. That group is competing pretty well this summer. That's going to obviously go into training camp. So, uh, but I, I think right now the whole team has, has done a really nice job. So with that, how, how's JT doing? JT's full full speed. He's ready to roll, and um, you know they're all wearing knee braces. That's my new rule for all of our quarterbacks. So they're they're working their front leg knee dominant 
knee brace for that front leg. So for a right-handed quarterback, it's the left leg. And for left-handed quarterbacks, if we have a lefty, it'd be his right leg. Uh, just to protect that, you know, part of his platform. If he gets hit in the knee, it, you know, at least hopefully will prevent a serious injury. But that's now the new rule for all of our quarterbacks. But he's, he's doing really well. Um, all of our guys are in great shape. I feel like the team uh, is astronomically a different looking team in terms of our conditioning from where we were last summer to where we are now. It's not even close the, the type of team this, this team is right now. With that quarterback competition, um, do you feel like you need to name a starter like game week or could this go right up until? Well, I mean, B. Lou is, is in the driver's seat. He was our starter a year ago. Um, we can't discredit that. I mean, he's, he's, someone's going to have to beat him, though. I mean, that's, that's the flat truth. So I'm not going to go any further than that. I mean, he knows he's got a job to hang on to, and he knows he's got to continue to get better. And he knows that there's people nip, nipping at his heels. So it's great competition. But he's in the driver's seat. Right now. How have you seen him respond to that competition? At this very well, very well, even in the spring. Um, He's, he's, he's taking his own initiative. He does a lot of extra work on his own. Uh, he does extra work when people don't even know he's doing right now. That's, and that's what you want your quarterbacks to be doing. So they're starting to realize that commitment level. If you want to be a great player, there's a lot of commitment that, takes, that, takes, that comes into play for, for being a great player. And there's, that's that part of our, of our program right now. There's players that are doing a lot of extra stuff because they're anticipating great, great years for themselves. As a coach, is it disconcerting the uncertainty over what's going to happen conference-wise, or do you care? Uh, I can't. I, was, I yes, I care. I do care, but the unfortunate thing, I don't have a say. <laughs> um, it's it's a difficult scenario that I think we're all trying to navigate right now. But uh, I leave that into that guy over there for him to worry about because I got to coach a football team regardless of what conference it is or whatever that is. I'm getting ready for TCU. I'm getting this team ready for the September 2nd. Uh, so I'm staying in my lane about getting what I have to do to get us to play our, our best season today. Is part of your lane making sure you're the voice in your players' ears? Because you know they've heard about it. You know they're talking about it. You felt the need to be a voice in their ears and kind of – Oh, yeah, we talk about all current events throughout the, you know, whether it's dealing with this thing with our conference or social injustice things that happen, all, you know, all these shootings and things that happen across our country. We, I don't like to keep our guys in a cocoon. We're thinking that's their football life is just football and training and life is happy. I want them to know there's people struggling out there in, in our country. So, yeah, we talk about a lot of current events. So... Uh, I don't try to hide anything from them. Um, I'll tell them the truth when I know the information, and I'll tell them if I don't know the information, which in this point I, I don't know much. But we're going to get ourselves ready to play, and I know that each date we have on our schedule, that team's going to be here this year. So that's the team we're gaming to, to beat, and that's on our schedule as the weeks unfold. So as a, as a UCLA alum, how do you feel about how do you feel about the Bruins no longer being in the Pac-12? And the, and it's the, interesting. It, you know, you're right. I mean, I did think about that. As, that seems really, really weird. <laughs> you know, for so long, it's been in the 1920s that both those both of those programs have been in the in the 
in the Pac-8 to the Pac-10 and to the 12, and now it's back down to the Pac-10. So it is a little bit of an interesting dynamic, you know, in terms of, I don't know really what I'm feeling, but other than that's, that seems weird to me. But, but, you know, this is, you guys all know that college athletics is, has always made money, right? Has always made money. Um, and a lot of programs make a lot of money. Um, what helps us make money is TV and being on TV. Uh, you guys know where I'm going with this. So you know that what gets driven in our in college athletics now is the TV exposure, the TV media packages and things like that. They're, they're part of the decision process, to be honest with you. Now, is that the right thing? I probably disagree with, but again, that's, this is a lot of, this is all about making money. And uh, it's unfortunate that um, a lot of this is hanging in the balance because of we're trying to do what's best for our conference. We're trying to, they're trying to do what's best for their conference. They're trying to make the best packages possible, and they're making moves to do that. Um, but that's that's the nature of our of college athletics now. You know, it's unfortunate that it's come to this in such a strong fashion, but it is uh, something that uh, that's kind of the new way of, of thinking nowadays in college athletics. But your, your lane gets really jumbled talking about stuff like television. Yeah, I mean, that's something I shouldn't be thinking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got a team to coach, you know, but it's, it is part of it. It's the new way of thinking. Just like, you know, you guys remember when Twitter hit when it first came out and how that affected recruiting. That was a new way of learning how to recruit. We're dealing with this new era of TV. Uh, dealing with college athletics, there's no question. So this might be too early to ask to know this, but like, do you worry about not having those LA schools there hurts you guys trying to recruit in LA? I don't think so. And the reason why I say this, Brian, is because I'm using the same model of recruiting that Bill McCartney did 20, 25 years ago. <laughs> so we know that we want to keep our best players here in the state if we can. Uh, we want to make sure we have presence in Texas, and we do. And we want to have presence in California. And that was when we were in the Big Eight. <laughs> so that hasn't changed. Now, what's changed, and I, I mentioned this to a couple other reporters earlier, is that because I lived in Florida for a good period of time, I do have connections in Florida. Or, and so there's certain coaches on the staff that have connections in certain regions of the country. So we, we build into that as building part of our, our recruiting base. But we're still going to have the presence in California and Texas and in our state, and those have kind of always been our principal factors in building our program. Does it make it tougher at all not going there to, to compete, not having the every game? And well, I, and the reason why I bring it up because we were when I was in the Big Eight recruiting in California, we weren't hardly playing in California. Yeah. <laughs> but we were still getting the Darian Hagens and you know those California kids, you know, in Colorado. Um, so it was done before, is my point, right? So it, 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 it is, will there be some subtle changes in the landscape? Sure. But I think we're still going to attack it the same way we've been doing it since I've been back. Earl, how do you like your new staff? Obviously, there were a lot of changes from last year to this year. You promoted Phil, the assistant head coach. Um, just talk about your new staff and how that's all coming together. It's come together really, really well. Uh, and, I, you know, I give them a lot of credit because... 
you, you have to be around men that have the ability to be open. And some of you guys probably know what that means. Sometimes if you're stuck in doing a certain thing a certain way, and you're not receptive to other people's ways of thoughts about doing that certain drill or that certain play or that scheme, sometimes you can restrict yourself from being as good as you can be. I think the guys that I've added on this staff uh, are very, very knowledgeable about what they do, but they're also still very open about using, you know, doing the checks and balances about going through things that are, are built for us to be the best thing for us. So it's not, you know, Mike Sanford coming in here, okay, we're just running this offense this way, and it's not Chris Wilson running this defense this way. We're leaning on everybody on either side of the ball to, to, to from their experiences of seeing their talent group and seeing certain things that we think our talent group can do and maximizing our, really, our, our, our information and our attention on those things. And that's what I think this staff does with a lot of energy and, and they're very passionate about what they do, and our players can see it and feel it, you know, from day one. We have time for one or two more guys. With Phil McGagan, does that add responsibilities, or is that more kind of a reward for what he's done since he joined your staff to be the assistant head coach? Oh no, that's going to be more responsibilities. You know, <laughs> you know, if you, you want to be a, a head coach someday or a coordinator someday, that's my. That's my job is to help train him with the ability to do that. And he does have those, I think, those uh, skills. He's a great communicator, very passionate about what he does, a good family man, very smart, works at his trade. He has all the, I think, the right things that are going to allow him to continue to succeed in this, in this profession. So, but yes, there's going to be some, I think, responsibilities that I'll give him to do to groom him to being in a management position. Um, with the incoming class of freshmen, maybe you've gotten to know them a little bit more this summer. Just curious if any guys in particular have stood out to you. You know, they all have. And, and, and let me just paint this picture to everyone because this class, the 22 class, that's here this summer, it was our first class that we actually were in living rooms. And we were, had a chance to recruit for a year and we had a chance to watch and build a relationship over a course of a year. It was really, really comforting in answering your question to know that when they got here on campus, they just attacked everything. They don't have to be told to do anything. They know where to be, being there early, being very competitive, rallying around each other. You know, we, they, they have done unbelievably <laughs> I was, they're, they're exceeding my expectations right now. And it's all because we were able to go in there and teach our culture in the recruiting process so that when they arrived, they were ready to go. So they're doing a tremendous job. All right, thank you. Thanks, Coach. Hello, everybody. Eric. All right, um, I, I got a, a few comments to start. Dave always gives me a list of things to talk about. So um, I'll go through those, but, um, you know, just kind of a recap of the year. You know, we started with two Pac-12 championships in cross country, something we're real proud of, um, of our, our cross country program. We had some individual national championships, two in ski, uh, Michaela DiGennaro in the mile, and then Abby Nichols, you know, was the athlete of the year for track and cross country. Um, women's basketball returned to the NCAA tournament. 
Uh, we want to see more of that. We want to consistently be uh, in the big dance, and, and we were this year, so uh, really happy for JR. Uh, men's basketball, uh, another 20-win season, really young team. Uh, lost Jabari Walker, which I'm happy for him, and uh, he's doing really well with the Portland Trailblazers, it sounds like, uh, based on where he's at right now. We introduced Ralphie Six, um, and just for all of your information, she's a lot bigger today than she was last year. Um, and I think you all know that uh, her new name is Ember, uh, which I think is fitting. Um, we also had um, some of our best academics ever. This is the first time since I've been here in nine years that we have um, uh, the same GPA as our student body. Uh, the average GPA, so something we're really uh, proud of and happy about that's part of why we come to work every day to make sure they get uh, education and, and a great degree. Um, so we had a, a, you know, a, a good year, but not a great year. And I think you all know that, you know, uh, I want to win more. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll focus on that this year. And um, uh, I appreciate, um, you know, Carl's comments and, and where he's at. Uh, with his program, but uh, this is an important year uh, for all of our sports to, to be more successful. Um, our budget, you know, will come in. Uh, we're, our budget, uh, we've um, balanced our budget again this year. In a um, first year after the pandemic, uh, the coming year will be challenging uh, because we do have some debt that comes on our books from the pandemic that uh, will pay off. We only have six home games this year, so. Um, it'll be challenging, but you know we we seem like we always figure a way to make the budget um, uh, work, and um, and so again I feel good about that. Um, our ticket update: we're about 85 percent of renewals, which is really good this time of the year. Um, I think the revenue that we've brought in is consistent with where we've been uh, in the past few years. Uh, we started selling um, student passes. A week or so ago and um, we've already sold a thousand and you know that uh, they don't buy until they come back so we anticipate last year we had 14,000 student tickets we anticipate uh, we'll, we'll meet that again our single game pre-game to our season ticket holders uh, ends tomorrow and then we'll open up uh, tickets I think one of the hard tickets to get is going to be the Air Force ticket um, you know we only have 2700 in our contract with them and um, I'm pretty confident that um, ours will all be spoken for uh, if they haven't already been spoken for. Um, so you may have to get them through the Air Force Academy, but we're really looking forward uh, to that matchup. Um, as it relates to the NIL, um, I think you all know how I feel about NIL, but uh, we're doing really well in that area. We've got 76 companies uh, that are part of our uh, platform, and, um, and we continue to grow that. Um, every month, so um, I think we're, we're in good position there. The year ahead, this will be a year that we'll really celebrate Title IX. Um, our Arizona State game will be the Women's Sports Weekend, September 22nd to 25th. It'll culminate uh, with a brunch before the women's volleyball game on that weekend. Um, I think it's pretty fitting that uh, we've got four females going into our Hall of Fame this year, which is, the, uh, I think, tied for the most that we've ever had, led by Jane Frederick, track and field, and Debbie Wilcox, two of our first women's Olympians. So uh, that's excited. I think you all saw that uh, the twins will be inducted into our Legacy Hall, and that was really a, a great experience to be able to, to share that uh, with Peggy Coppum. Um, 
You know, our athletic season kicks off with soccer again. I think it's August 18th against Weber State. I know Danny just um, got another student athlete yesterday, um, a Colorado um, uh, athlete who will play her fifth year here next year or this coming year from Stanford. So we're excited about that. Um, this is our 99th season. Uh, at Folsom Field, so next year we'll have a lot going on, and it'll be a good year for us because we got Nebraska and Colorado State at home, and uh, that'll kind of be a way to, to kick off that 100th year. Uh, and then uh, on September 24th versus UCLA this year, uh, we will honor Rashawn Salam going into the Hall of Fame, um, and then that induction will be uh, the first Tuesday in December in Las Vegas. So. Those are my comments. Oh, and then um, I guess you're probably going to ask me about uh, where we're at with um, UCLA and USC. Uh, moving on, um, I think what I would say to you is that um, we still have two more years with the, them in our conference. Um, and, you know, our focus is going to be on uh, keeping our conference aligned. And I feel really good about the strength of our conference with the 10 schools um, and just so everybody's clear, we didn't lose any team that has appeared in a CFP playoff game. So, you know, we still have the strength of those teams that uh, are in our conference. Um, I feel really good about George and what he's doing. I can tell you that the ADs are aligned uh, on where we think this needs to go. Um, we're bullish about the future. We think there's a lot of strength with the 10 schools and uh, there's a lot ahead. And I know uh, a lot of you have reported a lot of things and there's been a lot of things out there. Um, but, uh, you know, we're really just focused on staying aligned and um, and moving forward with the 10 schools we have. And, and um, I think George has done a really good job of collaborating with us. We've met uh, consistently for the last 10 days, 11 days. And um, I feel like we're in a really good place. And, you know, our thing is we've just got to uh, keep our conference stable. And um, and we're doing that. Uh, and the ADs are committed to, to making sure that um, the 10 of us stay together. And, and, you know, we'll see what the future brings as uh, the days and weeks ahead. But I also like the fact that we exercised our right for the 30-day window. Uh, for our, our media rights and uh, our tier one media rights and um, you know that we're in the second week of that and we'll see where that goes uh, early part of August. Rick, the way you see it right now, do you see that your 10 teams will stick together and join another conference or that you'll absorb other teams into your conference and become a lot? You know, I think everything's on the table. Um, I think our focus has really been keeping the 10 of us together. Um, you know, it used to be the Pac-12 or Pac-10 before we joined and um, Utah joined. And so, uh, again, I think there's strength uh, in the 10 schools, and I think there's a lot of value in that. And so for us, I think the 10 of us keep together. We'll look at whatever ever options come our way as we move forward. I know everyone's concerned mostly about football, but a big concern that I've heard and that concerns me is what happens to all the other sports? You know, does football maybe go its own way, have somebody kind of rule that, and the other schools kind of stick together in their unique conferences? And do you, do you are you worried at all about the other? No, I'm not worried about the other sports at all. Again, um, you know, we've got two years left on, on this media rights contract. 
Um, you know, I think everybody thought things would happen very quickly, and it's not going to happen very quickly. I think there's time, and everybody needs to take a deep breath, and, and uh, nothing will impact um, our other sports. Um, and um, again, you know, we're, uh, our school has 17 sports, and those sports are really important to us. And we certainly know that football drives the revenue, um, but all of these sports are equally important, and, and we're going to make sure that, um, you know, we, we have a league that uh, is vibrant, sustainable, uh, and together. And I think we've got that. How important is that? This 30-day window of the negotiation rights, how important is that as far as being able to keep the 10 together and keeping the conference? Well, again, I think it's important, um, but again, I think college athletics needs multiple conferences. And I think having the stability of our conference with the 10 schools, whether we add schools or whether we do some other things, um, I think it's important that we have multiple conferences that compete uh, for the CFP and for the national championship in that, in all of our sports, uh, but particularly in football. And also, you mentioned people thought that things were going to happen very quickly, and there was a lot of things reported very quickly. So how key has it been for you guys to really take that deep breath and to not have, not react quickly. Uh, well, again, I, mean, I can I, do that, I, you can't. Yeah, I, I, look, everybody came out with a lot of um, options uh, that, that were out there and where everybody was going and how all this was gonna work. And, you know, we knew uh, because we, we meet every day pretty much that where we are as a league. And, um, and I think it was important for us to come together quickly uh, and, and also to meet with our presidents and chancellors to make sure that we were aligned on um, where we are and where we think we need to go. Um, and so again, um, you know, these 30 days are, are important for our conference and for George, but you know, they're not gonna be the tell all because once those, uh, that 30 day window ends, then you know you can go to the open market. So there's just a lot uh, ahead of us. And, and again, we'll just take it one day at a time. And that's kind of what we've done. And we haven't got too excited and, and too uh, down on, you know, we've tried to stay level headed through the course of this. And uh, you got to do that because we read the same things that you do, um, same things that you post and put out there. We're reading them all. Um, and, um, you know, I try to stay away from it as much as I can, but certainly people send you things and, and um, you know, but we know where we're going. We, we have a, a really good feel for each other in our room and um, as ADs. And um, again, we're aligned and, um, you know, we're looking forward and we'll see what transpires over the next several days and weeks and months. So these daily conversations or however often you're having them, is it is it really cards on the table or like people all the reports that have come out? What's Washington going to do? What's Oregon's going to do? Do you really but, have a sense? Yeah, yeah, we really do have a sense. I mean, we trust the people in the room, um, and um, we have to, uh, right? And and so um, you know, we look each other in the eye. We're we're not in person, but um, you know, we're we're on Zoom. We see each other and. Um, we talked through it, and and again, I think when this initially happened, um, there was some concern, and and I think you know there was a reaction to uh, the news that went out there, just like you all had a reaction, right? Um, but 
you know, again, I think always think that cooler heads prevail. And once we had an opportunity as a group to sit down and talk through where we were to make sure that we were aligned in, in where we wanted to go, um, I think it's been really helpful for us. And so, um, again, um, I think there's strength in the 10, and uh, we'll build off of that strength as we move forward with our multimedia rights deal uh, and with uh, where we go as a conference. And there's no sense of, sure, we're all together and we have the strength of the 10, but we have to protect ourselves. Well, I think there's some of that. I mean, certainly, you know, I have an obligation to... Uh, our student athletes, to our donor base, to our fans, to our university uh, as the athletic director. And, and certainly um, we understand uh, the importance of what we're doing. Uh, and, but again, I think there's stronger and we're better when the 10 are together than we are individually. And so I think my peers uh, feel the same way. Would, uh, would, you mentioned that you came into the Pac-12 with Utah. Um, is there any sense that as close as you may be with the other schools that you came in with Utah and there might be some uh, common interests that you share with Utah that perhaps you don't share quite as closely with the other schools and therefore more communication between you and Utah because what they do affects you and vice versa? Uh, not really, uh, because I, I came in after that, right? I didn't yeah. come in when this oh, happened. Right, right. I, I, when I came in, we were part of the Pac-12 conference. And, um, you know, so I, I really don't look at it, you know, that way that we've got to partner with Utah or anybody else. I mean, again, I think where we're strongest is when we're together as 10. And, you know, that's where I'm at is that these 10, we need to stay together and we need to look out what's best for our conference and, and uh, for the future of the Pac-12. Do you think the 10, that is the Pac-10 that's currently comprised can generate enough media dollars to remain financially competitive against the big Yeah, I, I, I do because I think our media rights have been undervalued over the last, I mean, when you have a 12-year deal, um, you know, we're on the back end of that and you look where we are and our two tier rights are extremely low because the Pac-12 network and you guys have heard me complain about the Pac-12 network since I've been in the conference for nine years that we're not getting the distribution. And so when you look at our tier one rights and then you look at our tier two rights, we're getting very little in our tier two rights because we have no distribution of the Pac-12 networks. And so I think there's tremendous value in our league because I think we've been undervalued in our tier one rights and our tier two rights. Uh, and I think there's a tremendous upside for us as a conference. Is this a chance for the conference to do something innovative? I'm thinking of MLS's deal with like an Apple TV plus. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us. I do think there's a lot more bidders today than there was 12 years ago or even five years ago with Apple, Amazon, NBC, CBS, Turner. I mean, there's a lot of different companies in the mix that want this content because live college sports is really valuable. And our rights have been undervalued for the last five years at minimum. You've mentioned a couple times um, the confidence you have in the solidarity of the 10 schools remaining in the league. It seems like though one call perhaps from the Big Ten to Oregon or Washington could 
change that tomorrow, next week, next month? Does that kind of crawl around in the back of your head? Are there other contingency plans you have to kick around in case something scenario like that plays out? Look, we've had so much happen in the last three years. I mean, shit, what's next, right? So, um, I mean, I'm, I don't know how else to say it. I'm just, you know, we've had so much hit us. You've got to be nimble and you've got to be able to move forward regardless of what happens out there. Do I feel confident in our 10? Yes. Could something change? Yes. When something changes, we'll react to it, but we're not going to react to rumors or innuendos that are out there. We're going to react to the real-life things that are going on. So um, if something else happens, um, you know, we'll be able to meet that challenge, whatever it is. One thing that is happening this year is that the Pac-12 is not doing divisions, so the top two teams are going to go to that title game. Correct. Uh, how big is that for the conference and are you excited about that change? Yeah, I am excited about that change because I, I, I think it's important, but again, it's part of our strategy that um, we want as many teams in the CFP and we want to give ourselves the opportunity to have more visibility in the CFP conversation as we're moving forward. So having the two best teams makes a lot of sense and that seems like years ago that we we decided to do that but it was only a few weeks ago that you know we excuse me reacted to that so um i think it's good for our our league and and i think we're going to put the best two teams forward and you know um, i get to sit in that cfp selection room and it's fun to see our teams being talked about and i even like it better when they talk about us because then i have to excuse myself from the room so uh, i did that in year one so i'm hopefully we'll see more of that this year you're not that far away from that so-called alliance which seems to have been blown up now are you like disappointed are you surprised you know nothing surprises me anymore um and you know again we've just got to be you know keep our ears and eyes open and 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 look at what's ahead and um you know i thought at the time the alliance was really good a year ago but it never really got off the ground at the level that we wanted it to uh thank you um and so um you know, it, it it didn't happen, and it's unfortunate, and the Big Ten did what they thought was best for them, and uh, UCLA and UCLA, uh, USC did what they felt that was best for them, and so um, good luck with that. And you've made a couple of references to where the 10 of you want to go. Where Where is that? That's for a later conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but we want to be a solid, you know, we, we, we're, we're going to be a power five conference and um, we're going to compete at the highest level in the CFP and, and all of our other sports. And, um, you know, we're going to be a part of the conversation moving forward uh, as a as a institution and then as a Pac-12 as a conference. Is there a chance for is there a chance for the conference or the 10 of you to become predatory in a way to, to identify programs or maybe markets that are in undervalued conferences and say, hey, come, I mean, the Pac-12 is still a big brand. There's, there's a lot of schools that play in smaller conferences that might fit well. Is there a chance now to go recruit those, those schools? Look, I think as we move forward, um, you know, there, there's a lot of options that are on the table. And, you know, we're going to explore what those are and we're going to do what's best for the conference. Um, and, um, you know, our commissioner and his executive team have been very collaborative with the ADs and, and, um, and we'll continue to have discussions and chart our path for the future. When USC and UCLA announced they were 
was there any sense of betrayal and is there still any sense of betrayal? Look, I, I don't know that betrayal is the right word, but I would say that there's a, there's a strong air of disappointment. Um, you know, and it's really not in the, the fact that they you know, are doing something that they feel is best for them, um, but there's a way to do it the right way. Uh, and that, you know, to communicate properly with the right people. And, and, um, and again, those are things that other people will have to, to live with. And, um, you know, uh, they'll be in our conference two more years and we'll re be respectful. And, um, you know, and, and good luck to them um, in 24, 25. Did you talk to Mike? Mike? I have not talked to either one of the two ADs, no. A little off topic, I haven't asked you this one in a while. Uh, naming rights for the event center, is anything happening on that front? Did the pandemic set that process back? Yeah, all? probably set it back. I mean, look, there's there's three or four areas that we need naming partners for. And uh, the event center is one. The west side of our football stadium is two. Our football um, stadium, it's Folsom Field, but our stadium hasn't been named. Uh, and we've got an indoor practice facility that we want to name. So all four of those will be uh, things that will be out there. We hired a chief revenue officer, Ryan Gottlieb, who is out there actively pursuing that. But, um, yeah, that's still on the table. And, um, you know, we've still got to generate uh, revenue on our own. And, um, and we've got somebody uh, that's directing that for us right now. Did that get slowed down? Or a little bit. Back burner, little yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, look, I mean, Right now, there's been one focus, and it's been on this conference and, and the things that have happened the last two weeks. And, um, you know, usually I'd be on my bandwagon about NIL and how it's tearing up our industry and um, bad things that are going on out there. But I won't talk about that unless you want to. But, um, you know, right now our focus is, um, you know, to stay aligned with our uh, the teams in our conference and to make our uh, conference uh, stronger as we move forward. While we're on the facilities talk, is there any uh, updates or news with the lights at Prentzel Field? Um, you know, um, we'll have some announcements on that uh, later this summer. Uh, again, some of that kind of got put on hold with, with some of this. Um, but we do have um, some things, and I think I've said before, that we need to fix. We need to upgrade our west side, our event center. We need soccer lights. Um, you know, we need to make sure that our track... Uh, is up to championship caliber by 24, 25, because we host the Pac-12s in 24. Uh, and so all of those areas are, are areas that we're focused on, and um, hopefully later this summer we'll have an announcement on that. And also just for everybody's information, we are uh, focused on upgrading our speaker system, but we do have some uh, supply chain issues with some of the parts, uh, so they may not be totally up to speed, but uh, if you've been in our stadium, um, Recently, in, in Folsom Field, we've started putting in those speakers, and it's going to really change the dynamics of of how our uh, fans are able to actually listen to games and not get blown out of certain sections. So, were some of them in use at the Boulder Boulder? Uh, yeah. Jason, were there? Were some of those speakers used for the Boulder Boulder? Yes. No, okay. they weren't up, but they were kind of up there on the catwalk, but hadn't been connected yet. Now that we're a couple of years in, in the NIL era, have you had discussions with other people on how to better improve 
the current system to better protect the student athletes and the schools? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on an NCAA committee right now um, with um, a few of my peers and a couple student athletes, and we're talking about that whole, you know, if you recall, I was on the NIL committee and then the NCAA punted a little over a year ago um, right before it was to be enacted, the guidelines that we put in place. So now we're looking at it to make sure, uh, and, and you've seen some communique go out about um, what booster involvement is, what you can and cannot do, what tampering is. We all know it. They just hide behind NIL and these collectives. And then, you know, what tampering is and inducements and all that. So we've had to remind our membership and then we started enforcing those uh, middle of May a little bit more stringently than we have. But we don't want to penalize the student athletes, but certainly um, it's disrupting our industry uh, in a negative way. And I think it's great, uh, the student athletes that are doing it the right way. I think it's a great educational experience for them. It's putting more money in their pocket. But when you're using it to recruit and induce and tamper, um, it's it's not who we are, and we we got to fix it. And a lot of discussion, I think, is football players. There's so much money, or you know, basketball, those kind of sports where there's a lot of money being thrown towards these athletes. Is there a plan for soccer players, volleyball players, who aren't as in the public eye as much to be able to also profit off of that? Yeah, our our, our Buff NIL exchange. Um, the last I checked, again, we have 76 companies on there now. But there was almost an, an even divide of male and female student athletes that were participating. I think it was 67 uh, male student athletes and 65 female student athletes. And you know, I always use Sterling Parker, one of our great volleyball players, as an example. She's got a great deal with Fowler, Alamo, Fowler Automotive, and she's doing certain things for them. And you know, she and I sat out on, on a panel, and she was telling how good uh, educational experience it was for her to be. Uh, able to you know, create that transaction and that business partnership. And so I think um, it's really good if it's done right. We just got to make sure it's done right. Do you find that you're... Pardon me? The Austin money is, yes, it's even for all of our sports, yes. Do you find that your peers share your point of view, generally speaking? Um, I, look, um, yes and no. I, I think there's a lot of them that share. I know uh, Commissioner Sankey was um, on Capitol Hill over the last couple days talking about uh, NIL um, and you know what's going on out there um, with some of the seven or eight eight figure deals that are going on. I mean, I don't know. You can take those for what they're worth, but um, we've got to ensure that everybody's playing by the same rules. It's consistent um, because if not, the imbalance is going to be such that um, schools that are highly resourced are going to have more opportunity than others, and that's not not what it was intended to do. Who wants the last question? Anybody? What's your feeling on the football team with Carl coming into year three? And he talked about. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> Finally, a softball question. Um, look, I, you know, I think you guys know where I'm at, and I said this earlier. All of our sports need to win more than we're winning. We need to consistently have a winning season in football. 
Um, you know, the pandemic year, we were able to go to a bowl game and um, last year did not meet expectations of anybody, uh, just to be clear. And we have high expectations for this year. We've got a really good football staff. I think we've got solid um, uh, veterans coming back, and we've got some really good young guys uh, on this team. So uh, my expectation is that we'll be in a bowl game in December or January, and um, I think Carl um, probably has those same expectations. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a great rest of the summer, and uh, go Buffs.